All right, Alexander, let's talk about uh, Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum in Davos, which uh, is going on right now. A lot of interesting speeches, crazy speeches, I would say. But uh, I think the general consensus is, I think the general feeling, the general vibe is that uh, the WEF is just not, uh, not as important anymore. Not only is it not as important, people now are just openly mocking it. I yes. mean, it, it really has become a type of, of, of comedy, a clown show in a way. And people that attend the WEF, they're, they're also mocked. You know, yes. it used to be maybe 10, 15 years ago, people, oh, wow, that's prestigious. Now it's like, you know, you're going to the WEF. What are you, some sort of Schwab puppet or something like that? And it really has, I think we have changed. We have crossed yes. the line now where, where the WEF now is is more of a badge of dishonor than uh, than honor. Elon Musk allegedly turned down the uh, the invitation to 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 attend the WEF. And on a side note, we have one of Klaus Schwab's favorite WEF uh, protégés, uh, Jacinda Ardern of New Zealand. She actually stepped down. She's resigning uh, as prime minister of New Zealand while the WEF is, is going on, which is just an interesting side story there. I completely agree with you. I mean, I think the big story of the WEF of Davos this year is that it's sliding into absurdity and irrelevance, that it's fading. And um, I've never seen that happen so fast. I mean, even a few years ago, you know, it was all taken incredibly seriously. People talk about the WEF as the world's shattered government. Schwab was, you know, the blowfelt figure with the white cat, you know, who was running, you know, this vast uh, um, organization that was, you know, sweeping the world and was setting itself up as the world government. I don't think anybody any longer takes it seriously when they look at it now. I mean, so many important people have stayed away. The Chinese have almost entirely stayed away. The finance minister turned up, but he's not, as I understand it, even a member of the Politburo. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, the Chinese basically ignored it. Modi wasn't, as far as I understand it, he's not there. Nobody really important from India is there. Of course, the Russians aren't there. You remember once upon a time, Putin used to attend he used to come to Davos. I mean, his last couple of speeches in Davos were not perhaps the ones that the crowd at Davos wanted to hear, but he did come because it was seen as important. Now, as I said, it just looks completely relevant. And um, the reason for that, and there's been a really interesting article about this in, of all places, the Daily Telegraph, is that the European Union, which, remember, is the home of Davos, and I, when I mean the home, I mean Davos started as a group of people in the 60s, led by, rather mysteriously, led by um, Schwab, who were calling for European integration. Uh, and then, of course, once European integration was to a great extent achieved, it then achieve these global ambitions. But Europe itself is losing its relevance. So I, I read recently that in nominal GDP terms, whereas the EU, the European Economic Community, as it still was in 1980, accounted for a third of global GDP. Now it accounts for around 15%. And it's power 
over the course of 2022 was exposed as a sham, first and foremost, in my opinion, by the sanctions war. Because, you know, they did all of these things against the Russians. They imposed all these sanctions. They stopped the gas. They stopped the oil. They seized the central bank reserves. Everybody was expecting, you know, the Russian economy would implode. And I've been getting more and more reports now as the new year started. There's an interesting one that came out recently, I think, in ABC, which was people go there to Russia and everything, life goes on as normal. Nobody cares. And that's the general story right across the world. So there we have still Klaus Schwab coming along, complaining about how the world's becoming fragmented, how his great globalist vision isn't being uh, executed, how his great fourth industrial revolution has <laughs> sputtered to stop. Essentially, that's what he's saying. Um, you have all of these other people who, instead of talking about those things, uh, uh, talk about Ukraine all the time. I mean, that's the preferred subject for some people who don't really want to talk about serious things, <laughs> if I can say that. Uh, you have Schultz and Macron complaining about uh, Joe Biden's you know, um, Inflation Reduction Act, which they see as a, make, uh, as a subsidy and protectionist mechanism for um, U.S. industry. And threatening the U.S., that's what Schultz was doing with a trade war. And the world looks at all of this and it pays no attention because, frankly, the people who are there just don't come across as very important anymore. The really important people, the big movers and shakers, are staying away. Yeah. The uh, the title of the forum is uh, Cooperation in a Fragmented World. If that's oh, yeah. not a cope, I don't know what is. Well, <laughs> that is pretty much Schwab admitting that his whole globalist exactly. master plan has, has completely failed. And, exactly. Uh, and I'm sure they blame Russia for it. Or Ursula yeah. pretty much blamed Russia for it. And they're upset about that. But, you know, hey, well, that's what happens. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they wanted to go up against Russia, and so they, you know, you can't, you can't have globalism and and cut Russia out. It, it doesn't no. work like that. No, no. So uh, the yeah. So would you say that 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 the forum, the fact that that the WEF has lost a lot of its uh, significance, is it, it seems to me like it's. It's very, very much, uh, it's something that's happening now in many institutions in the collective West. You know, they're not no. what they used to be. No. And we're not only talking about, uh, you know, events like the WEF or stuff like that. I'm talking about even like, you know, institutions like, like the IMF or, uh, or even like, even stuff like, like uh, the, the World Bank or, or even sporting events. All these things seem to, to they seem to be losing their 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 luster, their their shine. You know, it's yeah. everything seems to be degrading. Yes, absolutely. Well, of course, I mean, the first thing to say is the quality of the people who run them is degrading as well. So that's in itself a cause for 
people to lose confidence in these institutions. I mean, once upon a time, you know, back in the 80s, the European Commission was led by Jacques Delors. Whatever you may think of Jacques Delors, he was a person of substance and force and personality. You look at Ursula today and you say to yourself, well, this is a decline and fall. And this is the truth right across all of these institutions. I mean, I mean, I, I don't even know who heads the World Bank anymore. Once upon a time, I always did. But you're quite right. They're all fading. And one of the reasons they are fading, and I say this, is that they stopped being genuine international institutions rooted in the whole international community. They became increasingly and foolishly and recklessly, they became simply instruments, straightforward instruments of State Department policy. And the result is that people began to lose respect for them and said to, them, said to themselves, well, why are we wasting our time? We don't have to go to the West anymore. The West is a declining proportion of global GDP. The rest of the world is getting itself organized. China is big and getting bigger. India is getting big and getting much bigger. Indonesia is growing. Africa is getting its act together. The Russians have withstood the sanction storm. The Saudis are looking for new friends. We don't need to go to the IMF. We don't need to worry all the time about World Bank reports. You know, once upon a time, I used to read, you know, the, the World Bank used to send out regular annual reports and other documents. And this is long before I started doing, you know, anything like kind of media reporting, but we do today. But I used to read them. I, I, I used to think it was worthwhile. And, you know, there was there was an awful lot of information there. Might quarrel with most of it or all of it even. But, you know, you, you felt that it was important to read these things. Well, nobody thinks like that anymore, apart from a very few people who I suspect principally those who work for these institutions. And the WEF, which brought it all together, as I said, it's fading away. Yeah. Um, the, the final question is the United Nations, the, the biggest of, uh, of institutions, yeah. if they don't adapt to reflect the, the situation in the world today, and I, yes. I specifically yes. mean the Security Council, by yes. letting in India, I could see India 100% and Brazil. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right there, I, I, I can name two countries that I believe should be in the in the Security Council. And, and you could probably name a couple of more. Yeah. Uh, if the United Nations doesn't adapt, do you think they're they're at risk of of losing their uh, their position as well, their their respect and their reliability as as the as the United Nations? Absolutely. Of course they are. Because, again, the Security Council today no longer reflects global power. I mean, who seriously believes that Britain and France have power comparable to India's? <laughs> I mean, I don't think anybody who really looks at the way things are, work in the world today generally believes that, you know, Rishi Sunak is as powerful a man in the world as Narendra Modi is. But Britain has a permanent seat at the Security Council and India doesn't. And that doesn't make any kind of sense at all. But it doesn't even it doesn't even stop at the Security Council because what happened in the 90s and 2000s is that the UN agencies, the Secretariat, headed by the 
sec, uh, the Secretary General, all the various UN bodies, um, you know, they became again to a great extent they part of the State Department, the U.S. State Department machine, and the moment they did that, they lost the respect of the rest of the world because people come to the UN, to these agencies, and they're not really international agencies anymore. They are Western agencies, and the West is a declining force and not a particularly popular one. So why would people want to be involved with these agencies in the way that they once were? And that, again, is something that I think a lot of people in the UN don't realize that they're living on borrowed time, actually, because unless they do adapt, inevitably and unavoidably, rival institutions will at some point be set up. Now, the Chinese and the Russians, for the moment, say that they are supporters of the UN system because they see the UN as enshrining international law. But we see how international law is itself being continuously bent and twisted in order to follow, you know, whatever Western policy is from one day to the next. And if that collapses with the UN structure as it is at the moment, I can very easily see countries pulling away. I mean, it's not as if it hasn't been talked about. I mean, it's been talked about in the past. Indonesia in the 60s experimented with the idea of arrival to the UN. I mean, that wasn't really going to work in the 60s. But, you know, it was already talked about then. Um, Turkey, Erdogan talks about it all the time. So sooner or later, unless the UN adapts and changes and reflects the modern world, it will fade into irrelevance too. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mentioned India and Brazil with Russia and China there. It's just kind of like I said, BRICS would be in the Security Council. I just thought of it right, right now, which which I guess shows the significance of of the BRICS, like the, the yeah, absolutely. The I mean, I mean, I mean, they are the rising powers, and there's no question about this. Oh, you know, China stumbled with its lockdowns. We won't say more about that. Um, it's got severe demographic problems, but it's still whatever happens. It's going to be a, its economy is still growing. It's going to can remain and become a increasingly greater power. Its nominal GDP has now overtaken that of the EU. I mean, I'd say it's actually, in reality, substantially greater than that of the EU. India, as I said, is powering ahead. So, I mean, you know, with all these are the countries that are the future, not the fading West. And you know, when we talk about the West, it's important to remember that in the West, we have democratic problems of our own. I was reading a report recently that showed that the country with the best demographic situation in Europe is actually Russia, which I'm not saying it's good there. I'm just saying that, you know, it's just it's just that it's even worse everywhere else. All right, we will uh, end it there, thedurand.locals.com. We are also on Rockfin as well. And go to the Durand shop, 10% off. Use the code GOODDAY. Take care.